You are now, now listening now. to Renaissance, Renaissance Soul. 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 Welcome to the Renaissance Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And today we are talking about Detroit hip-hop artist Miss Corona and her EP, The Virus, that was released earlier this year in April of 2020. The release was very timely as she tackles issues involving the pandemic and the current Black Lives Matter civil rights movement from her perspective. During this very educational and insightful episode with Miss Corona, we talk about her hiatus from releasing music, her reasons for doing the virus, the personal and social issues she wrote about, and we also do a track-by-track breakdown of the EP. So, after a word from our sponsor, we'll get into this interview with Miss Corona about her EP, The Virus. Alright, welcome back to the Renaissance Soul Podcast. I'm here with Detroit hip-hop artist, Ms. Corona. Some of my favorites of her past is her Injection album, her uh, song Last Woman Standing. You might have remembered her as uh, Vanessa in the movie 8 Mile, uh, but she is so much more than that. For this episode of Renaissance Soul, we are talking about her her 2020 project, The Virus. So uh, I have her joined with me to talk about that. How you doing, Ms. Corona? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's, it's good to be chatting with you. It's been quite some time. I'm glad you got Renaissance Soul back and running. We needed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just wanted to do it so we can um, we can document things like this. You know, the you know, we can do the old, the new. You know, my thoughts. You know, you know, have Detroit hip hop, Detroit music as a whole. You know, documented in this. You know, the, this new swing of things. Okay, we're going um the virus EP. Um, before you put this uh this this project out, you took a break from making music for a while. How long was that? So I I took a nearly four and a half year break from doing music, um, which to some people, you know that that and hip hop that's almost a, a lifetime. You know what I mean? That's like a retirement. That's like a death yeah, sentence. Yeah. I definitely stated that I retired and I, I didn't really get into the studio to record anything personally um, during that time frame. But I did quite a few features like, you know, less than a handful of features during that um, four and a half year time off. But, you know, yeah, four and a half years. Why did you uh, take that time off? Why did you even like retire, so to speak? Well, to be totally honest, um, I just didn't feel like I, I didn't feel like I was really getting um, getting the looks and the um, respect not from not from the city and not from you know my supporters or fans, but you know just it it it's, it became exhausting trying to you know, search for label situations or distribution situations to no avail. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's only so much that you can do as a hundred percent independent artist 
with um, the ability to reach um, the people in different in different areas and markets. And so it, it, it started to feel like um, it was a lose-lose situation. You know what I mean? As far as uh, as my career going to the next level and um and then also it was a struggle to like get production to finish the project that i was knee deep in working on at that time and uh, you know it was like okay people have been considering me a legend uh, in in the scene for so long like why is it why is it so hard but you know uh fat father said to me during that time frame like you know just to be totally honest, he's like, man, most of the people you reaching out to get beats from are, are MCs as well. And, you know, like, they probably ain't gonna give you no stuff because you rap better than them. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really look at it like that, you know, right? and I still don't necessarily look at it like that, but it's it, possible. Made it made sense, and it's like, that's a possibility, you know what I mean? Some people don't mind working with other artists, even though they feel like, well, this guy is, is better than I am. You know, it's, it's sometimes. And you might get like, their like kind of like leftover stuff that they don't even, yeah, they're not even yeah. feeling as much yeah. as like their other stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, and I was, and that's exactly what it was. I was, I was like, okay, you sent the batch of beats to like, I know 90% of the community, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I heard the beats that they sent to this person and that person. And, the stuff they sent into me sounds nothing like that. It was like right, you know, the beats. And so, you know, um, when I wasn't able to create in a way that I wanted to, and during that time frame, um, my go-to producer chains had taken a step back from music as well. And so, it was just really difficult, and it became a little um, depressing, you know. So I gravitated to another talent of mine and and found more confidence in doing photography and visual work um because that was my way of of expressing myself at that point you're going yeah we're going back to like the you know the you know like 2015 2016 whatever like that around that time why do you feel like there was like all these sort of struggles you know um with all these different facets of making a record, you know, there's like, you, you did touch on somewhere. It would be like, you're working with these other artists that doesn't matter how cool you were with them. Mm-hmm. There still was like an underlying thing where they were, they probably thought you were, that you were better than them. So they you were know, a little, I mean, hip hop is a competitive sport. And, um, and to a degree, I just, I, I believe a lot of what fat father say it you know it was like once you start diving into it because here's the thing it's like i think i think that because it's a male a man game that sometimes dudes are okay with another guy being a little doper than them because yeah in a lot of cases they are also fans of that person you know what i mean and so it's a cool like oh i'm doing a record with guilty simpson or i'm doing a record with danny brown or whoever So they don't really care that they are better than them. It's also a clout thing too, you know, um, opposed to like, oh, I'm doing a record with Miss Corona. And even though Miss Corona has a name, like, you know, some cats are afraid that I'm going to wash them on their record. So they don't ask me to feature. They don't ask me to do a lot of things. But um, I think when it came to me, like getting production from people, and I was probably just tapping into the wrong avenue. You know what I mean? But I was going to the cats that I felt sound wise matched my artistry you know and so 
um yeah but it is what it is you know what i mean like that's you know let's talk a little bit more about being a woman like doing doing hip-hop during that time you know do you feel like um there was any other obstacles during that time um as as a woman in regards to putting putting out your records or putting out music yeah it was plenty of obstacles aside from you know well on top of being a a a female and a male-dominated field when you are like you know you're you you are headstrong you know you're confident you um have your own personality and way of thinking you you're not giving up any sex (laughs) you know what i'm saying like um i know at the time i wasn't totally out as an artist you know i would like my sexuality wasn't known to a lot of people during that time like the early stages so um i used to get hit on by a lot of and i still do you know (laughs) it's it's clear i tell people I'm, you know i'm not hiding the fact that i'm a lesbian and i still get hit on by dudes in the in the industry and they think that you know they're going to be that one lucky guy yeah change me around but, men are know, stupid <laughs> once they once they realize one okay she's a girl you know damn she can probably rap better than me you know and she's not giving me any sex they didn't really think that i had any value to what they had as a collective um or a label or or you know many things um you know even if it was like i I remember a conversation where one particular producer said that he wouldn't work with me for so you know i don't do beats for girls and you know ain't she ain't she a dyke you know what i'm saying like no and i was just like okay you know and and, and they got back to me and i was like oh okay Oh, 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 I'm not fucking with you no more. Right. (laughs) On many levels. And it was so funny because, you know, um, a couple years later, the dude came up to me like, yeah, man, we we need, we should work on something. And I was, this was like right after the eight mile thing. Yeah, man, we should, you know, we we need to get in the studio and and work. And I'm like, knowing, you know, like, yeah, my man's told me what you said. But I, you know, I was just like, oh, okay, yeah. Nah, I would have been like, blah, 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 right then and there. Okay, yeah. I'm like, you don't work with me, huh? He's like, yeah, man, you know, you wanted the coldest female. And I was like, and in my mind, I'm like, motherfucker, you just talk shit. But it is what it is, you know. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's it's, it's a lot of obstacles, you know. Being African-American, being a woman, being a lesbian woman, and you know what I mean? Like, not, like, image-wise, not being all super sexed up you know like right. i feel like i'm quite sexy women agree they think i'm sexy too but you know what i mean if it's not if it's not something that a a, a man um could flaunt in a way that the male gaze you know where yeah. it's like the typical male gaze thing right yeah you know but yeah yeah so <laughs> so during this time you uh you also like you felt more comfortable in this uh, area of doing photography, you know, talk more about that. How did that make you feel? What did you learn during that time? Um, so, well, the, one of the main things that I learned was that you can love two things, um, that are totally separate yet the same yeah. and give them both 100% of yourself. 
And in my younger days, I didn't think that I was able to do that. You know, I didn't think that I would be able to fully focus on doing photography, you know, to a degree where all my people knew that I did photography or, you know, was interested in learning visual work and, and do music and give it both a hundred percent of myself. I, I was but see, during, people, like we're around the same age and like um, during that time, there was that, that thought of like, you almost had to pick one thing and go yeah. hard at it. Yep. Yep. And, and I think it was really honestly how we were conditioned and came up and yeah. brain, you know, it was like, because it was like a spurring camp coming up on the scene in our younger days. You, you, you had to prepare yourself to be going to perform at, you know, three floors of fun at St. Andrews or Lush Lounge or Alvin's or, you know what I mean? Like all hip hop shop, all of this stuff. So you sitting and you're perfecting your pin game. That's taking up a hundred percent of your time. It was time when I was writing raps and not even doing homework. I'm like, <laughs> I gotta, See? I gotta make sure I got some ill bars to go to, to this open mic, you know. And, and but then, yeah, it eventually became a time when, when necessarily the money wasn't there in all aspects, where people right. had to like diversify their talents. And next mm -hmm. thing you know, everybody was doing multiple things, you know. Right. But and like I you said, I'm like, like. Yeah, there's room to love more than one thing, but we yeah. were kind of conditioned that you had to go hard on one thing. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it was a lot of us who were secretly doing multiple things, but, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. it, it was almost that it was almost that thing where you're like the smart kid in class and everybody want to make fun of you for being a smart kid in class. So you pretend to be dumb. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm, I ain't, no, I ain't that smart. But it was like, I remember times when I would bring my, my little camera to places and they'd be like, oh, you are you trying to take pictures now? You know what I mean? Oh, you trying to, what you doing? You know, and I'm like, right. you know, okay. Like, I'm just trying to take, oh man, we want you to rap. And I'm sitting back like, I want to just focus. I want to enjoy the show and, and, and take photos, you know, right, right. way before I even became trigger figure visuals and really put myself out there as a photographer. And, um, yeah, you know, people would, oh, no, you ain't no photographer. That's Mario's job or that's such and such. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, it was those type of things. So, you know, I kind of fell back for a minute. And yeah, the same thing used to, like people used to do with me. Like, um, you know, I was covering hip-hop for a long time. And then they would see me cover, like, electronic music or rock and would be mm -hmm. like, I saw you doing that rock shit, blah, blah, blah. And I'd right. be like, yeah, so? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, photography really, it it saved me mentally once, um, you know, once I sank into that depression or yeah, how so getting to sink in the depression. Um, so I was like working at, I had a, a little part-time job at Whole Foods and I was like, I, I really felt like I was having a mental breakdown one day. Yeah. I, I had literally just came back from on tour with, with finale, maybe about a, a month or so ago, you know, like before this whole time frame, And I'm like, you know, struggling to get this project and reaching out to everybody. And I'm like, oh man. So I left work early one day. I'm like, yo, I feel like I'm about to like have a mental breakdown. And my supervisor let me go home and I called uh, one of my cousins and I called my guy, sister Nico. And, um, and Nico was like, yo, you should just get on your bike, 
and I'm, I'm doing her voice and shit like you just get on your bike and just go and like grab your camera and just get on your bike go and just pray like just pray to the creator and ask what's next for you and so she's like you love taking pictures but I never put myself out there to other people to like you know like yeah I do love taking pictures you know what I mean yeah. but she was one of those people who were who's super close to me that, that knew that, you know? So she's like, just go and, and ride, hop on your bike and take some photos and, you know, gain a different perspective. And so that's exactly what I did. And um, during that moment of prayer, I was just like randomly riding. I'm just like taking shots, just like no hands doing this and doing that. And I'm like, yo, I look back at the photos and at one point, I really felt like I heard a voice telling me, like, this is what's next. And then my mind, I'm like, I'm, well, I'm going crazy because I felt like I was having a, a nervous breakdown. And I'm like, now I'm hearing voices. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> so I'm like, this is what's next. I'm steady riding. I'm like, okay, just give me a sign. Tell me what's next. And it was like, I took the next shot and was like, heard it again. This is what's next for you. And I stopped on the bike and I looked at the photo. And I saw how amazing the photo looked. And I say, wow, this is what's next. And so during that time frame of me not doing music and just doing photography, um, I did learn that it. it gave me a different voice. You know, it my my photos tell a story in a way that my songs did, you know, um, or does, you know. Uh, and I'm like, okay, it just gave me a different outlook, you know what I mean? So now when I view th things through a different scope, writing-wise, like when I started writing the project, the virus project, I kind of approached it in a way that I would take a photo. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, um, I like to take pictures of nature. I like to, you know, landscaping. I like to, you know, capture vivid uh, photos and imagery of fashion and things like that. So and then sometimes I just like to go and people watch and just snap photos from that angle. Um, so some of the songs kind of were tailored together, like taking the picture, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just use my imagination because we weren't even deep into, we weren't even deep into the shed in and the quarantine when I wrote that song, you know what I mean? It was just talks of doing a quarantine. And then I just, wrote the song you know all right let's get into the the virus ep now um when did you first have your first inkling that you wanted to get back into writing songs and to you know start doing this project um well i i had the i had the idea of uh coming back and doing music last year I think it was a little bit before I did the feature for Apollo Brown's project. And, um, you know, I never really stepped back fully because I was still performing. And then I had created a band and all that stuff in the midst of it. And my parents were like, how are you retired when you're like the most booked retired artist? That <laughs> I've ever and I was like, well, people still want to book me for songs. And I mean, for shows, I'm just like doing old material. But I told Finale, I was like, I'm, I'm going to, if I come back, I want to do it in a way um, that makes sense to me, yeah. you know, and I didn't want to create a project that didn't make sense. I didn't 
want to just rap about any and everything, you know, just the typical braggadocio, you know, lyrics and anything reminiscent of old projects that I had created. I said, it really has to make sense. And, and honestly, at the time, like I didn't have any producers in mind where I knew I wanted to work with Chains again, because that's a given. But other than that, I didn't know who I wanted to work with. I didn't have any idea of what I wanted to do. I just knew that after hearing the Kendrick Lamar's Damn album, I knew that I couldn't come back with some regular bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no, I can't do it. Really, it was the Pimp a Butterfly was, was that moment when I was like, okay, you need to use this platform to start saying something. And even if it is tying in all those things... It needs to be saying something, you know. Yeah, um, a lot of times um, hip hop has gotten away away from that. That's what hip hop yeah. used to be. And yeah. while there are still artists who are, you know, talking about some things, it's not necessarily cool to do that. And a lot mm-hmm. of pe- a lot of, and this doesn't this doesn't just this isn't just like with hip hop artists. It's with a lot of people where they don't want to mess up their money by uh, stepping forward right. and being. And being and speaking their mind, you know, because of people like Colin Kaepernick, where you get so much pushback because of that, right. you know, things yeah. in certain ways, things haven't changed from other generations in regards to civil rights and mm-hmm. protesting and, and speaking your words about social issues. So right. definitely hip hop changed in that way. So, but at the same time, I understand why you would n- like if you're gonna if you took this break from making music, why are you gonna come back and and um, make some regular like surface level, not so deep music? Right. You know, like in in a certain way, a lot of us are are free now, are mm-hmm. more free than ever, um, because we can forget about because of the platform we're in, we can forget about the. The, the rap dreams, the right. the big contracts, the whatever, mm-hmm. and just, and, and like, believe in ourselves. Right, and them trying to structure how you, you know, need to create and all that stuff. But as far as when I realized um, I wanted to put this project out, like, that realization was not even, it wasn't even something that I thought out, like, a long period of time. Um, I think in January, the end of January, I had saw a um, a news, um, like a news interview about the pandemic hitting over in, in China. And then when I heard the name, and I was like, oh, shit. You Let's know, talk like, about the name and your feelings about the name. It's called the coronavirus. <laughs> your name is Corona. You're being like, oh, shit. Like, like right. ooh. So when I, first, when I first heard about it, like I said, that was, it was way before you know, any national um, talks had, you know what I mean? Like in the United States, they, they weren't really talking about it on the news or in media or anything. And I like, I, I sit and I watch the news all the time, like world news and read. Stuff yeah, because I don't think the first like case of it even hit until like February of. Exactly. And now it's in New York. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I saw this, I saw this thing like mid January, it's like coronavirus. And I was like, Oh shit! So I'm, I started. I literally reached out to, um, I, I reached out to Chains, and I reached out to like, I think DJ Los, and I was like, "Hey man, it's this virus, 
that's named after me <laughs> in China. And I was like, I want to do a, I want to do like a, a, a mixtape or something. I didn't even say a mixtape. I said I wanted to do a song. Yeah. And then it wasn't even about, it wasn't even going to be about the coronavirus. I was just like, I think that I should do like a song or something. Like I want to start back. I've been saying I want to start back doing music and I saw this damn thing on the news and the thing is named after me. So I think it's a sign, you know what I'm saying? Like I need to, cause they weren't even talking about the severity of it then. They were just talking about how the deaths that were occurring. Yeah. They were talking about, um, you know, like possibly shutting down, like making people stay locked in. And I was like, that's weird. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh shit. Like why? But again, they didn't dive deep until later on. And of course I didn't get in. So Chance was like, okay, cool. I'm going to send you some stuff. And he sent me some stuff and then, and then Lo sent me a beat, but um, fast forward to, you know, mid February, um, everybody started hearing about it all over the news. And then they were like, in my DMs and creating memes and they're like, it's time for you to drop a, uh, a song or a project <laughs> and I was in my head I'm like yeah I was already thinking that you know what I'm saying but initially it didn't even I didn't even think of doing an EP I just thought of like maybe writing a verse but that you know again it was just something that I saw on world news and um they weren't talking about it in the U.S. so I was like uh oh, people probably wouldn't even know what I'm talking about if I did that you know in January but yeah, I don't know. We how, up- how much did you think about, like, because I know you did, like, about even changing your name or mm-hmm. once it started getting serious about the sort of the respect factor of coming out with this project at that point, at that time, seeing how devastating this was starting to become? So it was like a twofold thing because, again, I'm at a point, and, I, and I'm a very spiritual person. I don't. Um, just follow one religion or anything. I'm okay. a very spiritual person, so sometimes I'm at, I'm like in tune, and I feel like I hear people may think I'm crazy by saying this, but I know what I feel. And sometimes I feel like I hear the the creator of the universe telling me to do certain things. So you know, in the midst of me like creating this project and the just the way that it flowed so effortless, effortlessly after a four and a half year break and not. Like I, I really had writer's block during that whole time frame. It was so hard for me to create and um, do anything for myself. I was like, eh, no, I feel like I'm forcing myself. But um, so once I did the project and, you know, like I said, people were like hitting me up from all over the place telling me that I should do that. And I was like, yo, okay, boom. They didn't even know like when the studio recorded, like, less than a week recorded the the ep and i'm like okay i'm sitting on it i think i'm gonna drop it and then i mentioned that i'm gonna drop it and literally the day after i said i'm gonna put out the ep i didn't specify what the name was at the time and i was like damn i looked up and i saw like five people that i knew had died yeah and i was like holy shit like this is serious you know what i mean um and i was like Fuck. And then I started seeing all the people doing parodies about it and, you know, like, and I was like, okay, now it's almost like people making a mockery of the name, not of what's happening, you know, in yeah. general. And I was like, 
I said, damn, they didn't even gave it my fucking nickname. All my friends pretty much called me Rona. So I said, well, shit, they didn't gave it. It's the Corona, but they didn't call it Rona. I said, like, this is everywhere I looked. It was like coronavirus, the Rona. The, I said, oh, fuck. I'm like, maybe... I didn't start. I didn't think about changing my name or the name of the pro, or even reconsidering putting the project out until I started seeing the amount of deaths, you know, and people that were really close to me. You know what I mean? Or like friends that were experiencing close family members that were passing. Yeah. So when I put the post up, it was just like my heart was, my heart was breaking for those around me that were suffering, and. You know, I was like, I don't want to be the cause of a trigger in the future. You know what I mean? Like if people run into me on the street and they, oh, I mean, I know that folks will probably, even if I did decide to change my name, if that's what they recognize me as, that's what they're going to remember. Yeah. You know, but I'm like, dang, is it going to be triggering to people? Is this going to be, is this going to bring up some type of bad memory? You know, when folks run into me in the street or if I do a performance, you know, like, and, you know, like, after all this is said and done and people book me for shows, like, how is it going to play out? You know, and then so I put up a post with that concern. I was just really just expressing how I felt. I didn't really think that people would chime in and give opinions. I was just expressing myself, right? Um, you know, especially being locked in and not really being able to sit down and talk to people about it. Um. And, you know, folks who had lost relatives and, and family members and friends were like, no, like, keep your name. Like, don't let this virus steal you away from us, too. And I was like, and they like, and drop the EP. And I was like, okay. And nobody had heard anything. You know, I didn't leak any songs. And so that support was just like. There was a trust in you that you're not going to, uh, you know, glorify this or make fun of it, or you're going to do it in a respectful way because that's who you've been. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and then I still went and I prayed about it for two days (laughs) and I heard the creator tell me, no, that like, this is, this is your time. And I'm like, okay. And everybody was like, man, if it was a pandemic named after me, I'd be dropping some stuff and I ain't no way I wouldn't. And I was like, real, you know, and everybody was like, yo, if you didn't release something, then we will be wondering what's wrong with you. You know what I mean? Like every, mm. like if you waited after, cause it was some people like, I think you should wait until it is over to release the But when's it going to be over? Like at that certain point, like, yeah. Exactly. And, and, so how, and like, how, and how much music have you sat on in the past? Like so much. Chains literally called me FaceTime today and played about 20 songs that we recorded <laughs> in the studio. And I was like, wow, bro. Yeah. But like, um, and we'll get into each song like in a moment, but what, um, I think what, what I liked, what ended up happening with this, um, with this project is what hip hop used to be about, which you were like hip hop MCs used to be like, you know, newscasters they were you know they were spreading what's going on in the world they were doing their opinion pieces right. you know and this is what your this is what this project turned out to be and it's not like uh it's nothing there's not a comedy this isn't a gimmick record this isn't a comedy record this isn't poking mm-hmm. fun at the corona name this is like your commentary this right. is like your news reporting about 
what you're seeing the world going through, this this thing that has a name attached to your being mm-hmm. and how that affects you and how you're perceiving it from a you know from someone who already comes from a community that that um of oppressed people you know and how is that going to factor in when this you know with what's going on in the world with this uh with this virus that's spreading you know right. so it's you know everybody knew that you were you would do it um you know you would do everything respectfully but you know at the same time you if if you're if you're uh if you're just a good compassionate person you have like yourself you have to ask those questions about mm-hmm. am i being respectful should i do this right. yeah you know um and again like I, I i had a few people that were just like just based off of the name in general just you know coming for me hard too like you know oh you really trying to capitalize off of this or you know i i got on instagram a dude well, I don't know. I don't follow him. You know what I mean? But he called me an ignorant nigga. You know what I mean? Ooh. And, and uh, another dude who I don't follow, I don't know him. He was just like, you know, wow, a song called the coronavirus. Like, we'll see how that gets. How, how, and I was just like, damn. I'm like, sound like you put the hex on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I'm like, did you listen to the record? Did but yeah, when you, to- when you listen to the record, man, like, yo, yo, you can't. It's undeniable about where you're coming from, where, you know, where you're coming from with it. Right. And so, you know, I mean, metaphorically, there are, there are some things that I say in there that reference it, but mostly it's, it's speaking about me as an artist, you know what I mean? Or speaking about things, like you said, that are happening in our community. And like, even the, I know you said we're going to dive into each song, but even writing that song 45, like that's really the first time that I've ever did a political record on my project. Yeah. Cause the thing is coronavirus or not this, you know, this virus and this pandemic is shedding light on things that already exist Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. failures in our system. Yeah. So, and and those are things that you address in this, uh, in this EP. So it is, like you said, it isn't necessarily about, a you know a coronavirus gimmick or talking about the virus right. or capitalizing off of it you're talking about things that already exist right that this but you know what's funny to me too k fresh is that i i saw i saw more people that i know personally um that have shared the gimmicky parody raps and haven't even shared my project you know what i mean and I was just like, damn, I can't, you know what I mean? Like, you want to share the gimmicky parody stuff, but you won't share the I mean, fact that the artist who yeah. has the name and dro- drop some legit shit, you know, my track record, like, you won't even share that this is the corona you should be listening to or whatever, whatever. It, it, you know, Yo, you can word it if you want to, but. I understand, we, I understand yeah. there's a need for uh, humor and keeping, keeping, uh, a good sen- good nature and having something to laugh about during this time but at the same time man yo when people are making art and it's your people yo it's the people you know yo it only takes a couple seconds to uh you know click share you know yeah. it's free it's free it's free to share 
Right. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if some motherfuckers asked me to pay them to share my stuff if they had a bigger platform. <laughs> you know I mean? Because they might just be like that, you know? Bees like that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> if we all in the pandemic, motherfuckers ain't working, they might ask me to cash out me $25 to share my shit, you know? Right. If, if, if 20,000 people are are, are uh, possibly going to view it, then I'm, our cash app would be $25. Like, fuck it. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the EP itself. We'll go, we're going to go uh, track by track and uh, talk about, you know, anything about it, who produced it, you know, your feelings behind it and everything. All right. First off is the song, The Virus, mm-hmm. featuring LaShawn Phoenix, my girl Nico Red, and Maestro. Okay, so that was produced by Chains. Um, and it's it's funny because when he sent me that beat, that eeriness and that that eeriness and that sample, I was like, yo, this this is the I felt instantly that that was the title track. You know what I mean? Because it sound it sounds like something serious, like right. you know, a a pandemic, so to speak. So, cause I, I reached out to him and I was like, yo, I need something that just sounds like creepy, scary. <laughs> like, you know, and he's like, okay. Cause again, he had sent me some beats prior to that. And I didn't know the direction of the song. That wasn't even the first song that I wrote. You know, I started writing no mask first, but when chain sent me the virus, um, I instantly knew that I wanted LaShawn Phoenix on that hook. You know, I was like, hey, I want you on this song. It's going to be the single for the EP I'm working on. And she was like, what? You get back in the studio? Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. I, said, I was like, yeah. I said, uh, she was like, you want me? I'm, I said, yes. So I wrote I wrote the verse. I sent a, a voice memo of the first verse. And I said, okay, write the hook. She said, what you want me to say? I'm like, I don't know. You got to write the hook. <laughs> but when she when she hit me back with the hook, she was like, "Yo, I don't know if this is dope enough. I don't even know what you what you gonna think. Like, I just want to come correct." And and she sang it for me, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding right now?" I'm like, "Let me turn my um, what's the name off because people people texted me and all that good stuff." Um, but I said, "Listen, I trust you." She's like, "I think we need a different voice on here." And I was like, "Yo, we should get Nico." She was like, Nico, because she said she wanted something that was kind of like funk, you know, like a George Clinton type of vocal behind her. And I was like, Nico. Yeah. She was like, yes, that's who I was thinking. And I said, okay. So she was like, then we just need some more. I said, maybe we could get Maestro to do it. She had it. She was like, Maestro could sing? I was like, yeah, Maestro could sing. Like, you know. And so... <clears throat> It just so happens too that whenever Nico records over inside the riot, that's who engineers her sessions because Maestro is just the man with vocals. Yeah. And so, um, and so that's how that song came about. And it and we forced Maestro to get in there and sing. I, we bullied him because he doesn't like to do it. I was like, "Oh, you singing?" He, he don't like, like to do anything, man. He... Right. He, like, <laughs> no, no, he likes it though. He likes being bullied. He, he does. Come on, let's get like, real. He likes being I bullied. Don't make me do it. And he got in there. No, with them deep vocals. No, I said, what? I'm like, yo, like, I mean, I just wanted it to be chill, you know what I mean? Like, it just needed to sound very 
very, very like scary, you know what I mean? But welcoming at the same time. So um, that's how that song came about. What do you think the like the ultimate story is going on with the virus? What's like the theme, like the maybe the underlying like like just story or lesson behind that song? Um, I think <clears throat> I think um the underlying story or lesson behind the song, my message was um is that I'm 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 a mainstay. I'm here, you know, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, a lot of people have doubted me. They, they've doubted how deadly I am when it, co- when it comes to these lyrics. Yeah. Um, so metaphorically, that's all the things that I tied into that. You know, like all of the stories and the disbelief of how severe the actual virus is. And, you know, oh, it's just like the flu and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people feeling like I'm the typical female MC. No. You know, I'm not the typical female MC. I, I I run with the big dogs, and I can spar with these dudes and wrap mm-hmm. circles around them if need be. Sometimes yep. I'm pull it back. Sometimes but, you're nice. Um, sometimes I'm nice. Sometimes I'm. But nice. sometimes. And sometimes I'm exactly. <sighs> so that's that's what that's what the point of it was, you know, and the the whole the no one's coming for you when she's when we put that on there, it just felt like. After, and you know, even the line when I said after this, don't call me Vanessa, because a lot of people a lot of people confuse the fact that I was an artist before the eight mile thing. Yeah, you know I, mean? I love that I'm line. Like, <laughs> thank you. And I'm like, listen, the people were they, oh, what's up, Vanessa? So I was like, no, this is this is to me. I felt like this was a a, a second coming. Yeah. You. You know, you're knocking people out. You're like, yeah, it was a rebirth and a second coming for me as an artist, because, you know, it's it's giving me a chance to um, it's giving me a chance to show people that it's more to me than just that movie role. Yeah. And get some shit straight, you know, and being like, yo, this is who I am. Like, I know I did these things, you know, and those are Mm -hmm. cool parts of my career. But there's these other things about who I am. Right. Yeah. And everybody listening, if you want to know how murderous Miss Corona is on these lyrics, go listen to the murder mitten from Big Herc that she's featured <laughs> on. I, I went and re-listened to that uh, joint probably about a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. And I had to rethink my, my friendship with her because I, I think I'm like, I can never cross her in my life because I, I really think she will murder me. And, and you know what, you know what, K. Red, I will not because I love you, but um, I do. If I do, you know, people cross me. I, it, it's yeah. It's man, crazy. listen to your lyrics sometimes. Man, listen to you, man. I wouldn't want to cross you. I'm, I'm like the, uh, I'm the nice, I'm the nice, nasty person. But here's the. Thing you're like too. a cute. You're like a cute like lion, lioness that is just sitting there. But if you come up, you're like Arr. yeah. Yeah, but the thing is too, like I was telling the person and like that was in one of my messages. Like, if you listen to a lot of my lyrics, like a lot of my lyrics have referenced how sick I am lyrically. You know what I mean? Even from the big hurt verse, you know, the line about the the 
the injectable with HIV. You know what I mean? Like, who says that type of shit? Like, mm-hmm. I've been saying these type of lines, and you know, I've always referenced myself as being ill, being sick, being cold. You know, and right. so when this, when this whole and, and and Lashawn pointed out, she was like, "Man, this virus is almost like, it's almost like, you know." telling the story of, of my career, you know what I mean? And, and so, yeah, man, I mean, I, I hate that. I hate that. It's a lot of, a lot of people who are, um, you know, losing their life behind this. And I also feel like, you know, man, like after this, our community will become stronger too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just sad that we, we got to go through this in order for us to come to come to a new form of um of of just caring and loving on people all right let's go to the next uh song it's called no mask okay so no mask no (laughs) no mask uh that's produced by mark cooper and that was that was the first song that i actually wrote and it initially started off as just one verse um but when I heard the song, it just, first of all, that's not the typical type of beat that people would think that I would rhyme on. You right. know, that's that's way different. Even when I told Mark Cooper that I picked the beat, he was like, what? Like, oh man, that's that's different. I want to, can't wait to hear how it's going to turn out. But it sound, to me, it sound like an industry vibe beat. And so I called it No Mas because of the first, based off the first line when I said everybody in a frenzy because I'm here with the mask off. No future though. Cause he had the song mask off. And I was like, okay, you know, and everybody that was at the time when they started talking about um people should start wearing the medical mask. Yeah. And I was watching the news again <laughs> and they were like, we should we should uh <clears throat> you know everybody need to wear these masks and I had I had left work earlier that day and one of my coworkers bought a box of masks. <clears throat> and so a uh, lady came in and she was all coughing and sick and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I ain't trying to get sick. And so the girl, my coworker was like, how Corona scared to catch Corona? <laughs> and so one of the people looked at me and was like, what? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, her name Corona. So the lady was all like, like scared. And so that line popped up in my head. Well, I mean, that situation popped up in my head as I was writing, and I'm like, everybody in a frenzy because I'm here with the mask off. And I was like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> and, then just, and, and then it just kept going. So I didn't even have a title for the song initially until until we recorded it. And and Dale asked me, what's the name of the song? And I was like, no mask. <laughs> he was, and he bust out laughing. I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I freestyled the hook. I didn't have a hook. That's just, I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we just go do it. Whatever. Right. All right. The next joint is Quarantine. Quarantine. Quarantine is produced by Chains. And um, so that came up. It just sounded like, it just sounded like chaos to me. It sounded like like a a, a person who was going going to lose it that beat all the little drum hits and everything. It sounded like a person that was like losing, that was losing their mind. 
And so I was like, how am I going? I was trying to see if I had some more champagne up in here, but <laughs> I was like, how am I going to deal with being locked in, in the house by myself, you know, for a while. And, um, and so I started imagining how that would be because the governor hadn't even issued the, um, the, the shut-in. She was just talking about it. Right. And so, you know, I started writing and I'm like, they want us locked in these four walls for weeks. It's an apocalypse. You know what I'm saying? But it's all eyes on me. Like, to, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, shit. Like, this, it, and it just kept going. And I'm like, what's going to happen when we're here? Like, I'm online searching for stuff. And and then other things start popping up. Little pop-ups start popping up. So I started, like, incorporating that inside the verse. And, um, and just thinking about how your mind will begin to wonder when you live alone and you and you going through this quarantine for two, three, four weeks at a time. And so that's that's just and that's what how I ended up writing a song. And I didn't think that it needed more than one verse, you know. Um because that would have been unnecessary. And so yeah, that's how that's and it's odd enough that I didn't think that people would gravitate to that song like that. I was like, I think people are gonna rock with it, but I didn't really know because it's not structured as a song song, but that's one of the songs that most of the DJs have been spinning. Like they played on Shade 45 quite a few times. But I didn't think people were gonna gravitate to that one as much. You know, I thought that folks would gravitate to No Mask, The Virus and so forth, but yeah. All right, the next joint up is Give Up featuring the homies, the fat killer homies, King Gordy and Marv One. Okay, so that song is produced by Mark Cooper. And um, when I heard the beat, it just sound, it's, it sounded like, I think, I think that was at the point where it was just like, okay, we all have to give in and admit that this is something serious. So metaphorically, instead of me talking about like how people just need to give up and give in to what's happening in the world. I I just put it in a, in a metaphor of I'm here to claim my spot. I'm never going anywhere. So just give up, give it up. Just go ahead and give in to, to it. And um, when I wrote the verse, automatically I heard King Gordy on there. I was like, oh, King Gordy. I, I haven't did, I hadn't did a record with King Gordy and so long and even the record that we did it never came out and so i didn't even know if he was gonna say yes but oddly enough he hit me up on facebook the same day and i and he was like yeah it's time for you to you know i think it's time for you to put out something and i was like yo i got a joint for you awesome. he was like Send it see to see right there man just right and so he said Send just it worked out I went in. I went in the studio. Um, so the first studio session I recorded, I recorded "No Minds," the virus, and my verse for "Give Up." I I had a hook that I kind of freestyled, and part of that hook is on there with with my part. But then I was like, "Marv, write a hook," and Marv was there. He was like, "I ain't finna write no hook." 
And I was like, why not? I'm like, write the fuck a hook. You know what I'm saying? And so he went in and he did his part. And and uh, then Gordy came in like two days later and recorded his verse. And they said it to me. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I said, it was exactly how I imagined it. You know what yeah. I mean? I knew that he was going to take it to a whole nother place. But I know that Gordy respects me enough to not go way off the deep end like he normally does. Yeah, we know we know where Gordy can go. <laughs> right, right. But he and he went and he went there, but he did it. He held yeah. he held back. You know, he held back to it because you know if you know Gordy, 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 he respects like when he works with other people, he will he will take into consideration at times like what your fan base is used to. You know, and I know that he, um, I know that he, he could have went all the way there, but he, he, <laughs> right. you know, he did it, he did it very tastefully. You know what I mean? He didn't do his normal Gordy, but I knew, I knew that he would be the perfect match on that song. And, and man, woo. Mm, mm, mm. All right. The next joint up is respect the name. Respect the name. Um, Respect the name is produced by DJ Static. He's from New York. I've been knowing him since like 98. And um, he pretty much had at least one song on on multiple projects that I've put out, whether it be mixtape stuff or not. And um, he sent me that beat when when I first said to myself that I wanted to start back doing music last year early early last year he put he put it up on instagram and i inboxed him i'm like yo send me that beat i'm on it and he was like i thought you retired i'm like i'm thinking about coming back out of retirement <laughs> and so he's like okay he sends me the beat so here i go fast forward to this year and i'm i'm like right at the tail end of finishing up the project and I see him on Instagram making the beat. And I say, yo, I'm making this EP. Send me some heat. And he inboxes me back, like, laughing out loud. I already sent you something, remember? And I was like, in my mind, I ain't going to lie. I was like, oh, motherfucker, like, what? I looked at my text like, why don't you send me some shit? <laughs> and he, he was like, hit me up with the name of the track. So I go and I search it. And I was like, damn. And when I listened to it, I didn't even know how I was going to write to it yeah, because of that sample chop. And that sample is in between that first verse, you know, and a couple spots. And I'm like, how the fuck, you know, I'm talking to myself, how the fuck I supposed to write to this? You know what I'm saying? And, and I almost did it right to it. And then I played it a couple times and it was like, no, this is perfect. Like you need, you need this song. I was like, okay. But that was the song, and I was used to, I had gotten a rhythm because I hadn't been writing for so long. Once I found my rhythm, I wanted to just keep writing and writing to where the songs got done quickly, and I wasn't feeling like I was tussling with it or struggling. Yeah. And um, that one gave me some, that one gave me some little issues. issues. It was just, it took me a while because I had to tailor it around around those samples and I'm like yo that's probably one of my favorite songs on the project and um just when when the sample started off it was like you motherfuckers gonna respect me 
remember that you know what i'm saying you and i was like mm, put some respect on my name since i took a break guess you forgot i run this lane <laughs> oh, and, it, and it just came with you can never take me on my throne how fuck you and i was like oh shit like once i got in it yeah and like it just flowed so easily and then it was and then all i had to do at after that point was once i got past the samples all i had to do was just string it all together and make sure that it made sense you know what i mean and the second verse the second verse i hadn't even written to that beat i have I, uh last year i was doing like i did little quick freestyles just you know and so i had written that second verse and laid that on like a little freestyle beat because I'm like, I need to du- knock the dust off. I need to get up, you know what I'm saying? Get get back to it. Right. And so I was, yo, that verse goes great with this beat. And at first I was like, eh, because I like to write fresh stuff. I don't yeah. really like to recycle verses. And I was like, fuck that. Like, we, we put this on there. And then mm. it just worked out perfect, you know? And I think I think soon I probably will have a visual for that. I shot some footage. I shot some footage uh, uh, on, by myself the other day. Like, um, so hopefully I have a video for that. And the last track on the virus is forty five. Forty five. Forty five is produced by Chains, and it's about forty five. Y'all know who forty five is. <laughs> So, um, when I heard that beat, so Marv had given me a track too. And, and initially when I woke up the next day from, from, uh, going to the studio to record the first couple songs, I woke up and I was like, you know, I, I, I had the vibe on me. So I, I had that energy and I wanted to stay in that zone. So I immediately turned on, you know, after showering and brushing my teeth and everything, I'm like, turn the beat on, you know? And the beat that that Marv gave me, it was dope. And I was like, oh, like it wasn't giving me that what I needed. And so I went back to the batch of beats that Chains had given me because I thought of, at that point I thought that I was done like picking through the the beats that he had sent me. And that beat came on, and I was like, holy shit! I'm like, damn. And when I wrote the first line. Seeing like the whole world and it, it like Slick Rick's voice popped in my head. <laughs> and I was like, okay, when I, when I rap, rap this, I need to rap this in this kind of trying to mimic this voice, which people says it sounds like Danny Brown, more like Danny Brown than Slick Rick, but I, I can't rap like neither one of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was just an experiment. But again, like that, I never really touched on anything political on albums for real. Um, so to be extremely like, if this isn't, this isn't like any, uh, metaphor, like, like, I mean, it's a lot of metaphors, but it's not like, okay, uh, a sneak peek of who I'm talking like, people don't have to try to figure out who the fuck I'm talking about. Right, right, right. (laughs) So it's it's just blatant. It's, It's right in your face. It's like. This is how I feel about this cat. You know, this is how I feel about what's going on. And, you know, even in our community, you know, and how people are dealing with this. Like when I say uh, the black people in church, they praying to heavens. You know what I mean? They praying to the heavens for the like, is that's what they're doing. That's what people were doing when, when they announced this pandemic and how it was affecting and ravishing 
the lives of our community, they were still gathering in church and trying to pray it away, you know, but that's how, that's how a lot of African Americans work, you know? Yeah. Because when something like this happens, uh, the African American communities are automatically going to go towards the the worst because Mm -hmm. that's how they've always been treated Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be, and especially when we have a, you know, a president like him, mm-hmm. we, we know we're, we're not going to, going to be, they're not going to, the African American community is not going to be a priority. So right. they're going to try to reach out to anything for, for strength and upliftment. Yeah. So, you know, it was just, to me, I I was seeing how, I was seeing how people, you know, certain lines in the song talked about things that I was actually viewing on television, like, you know, how people were turning on each other during these conversations and like, you know, um, town hall meetings and like discussions and it was like, oh yeah, y'all, it's like, you know, we're all supposed to be about one thing and that's to save lives and that's to, you know, have less casualties as possible. And like, even right now you see in, and Lansing, these people doing these protests, and then they ending up sick. But it's like, <clears throat> you know, the line turning on one another. They in the, in the streets turning on one another when we need to be unifying and trying to figure out a way to survive. And you know, if that means that we need to stay home and shit needs to be shut down, then we should be following that because life is more important than opening up the economy and. Who going to make the money if everybody did? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want it to end up like I am legend, you know? And I've referenced that in one of the songs. Like, I don't want it to end up like when you look up. And, you know, at one point after the EP even dropped, just riding out to visit my parents and they had got, um, they got diagnosed with COVID-19 and, you know, it wasn't severe enough for them to be hospitalized, which I was very thankful for, but they had to take medication and we had to drop groceries off and I yeah. had to wave at them through the window and all of this shit. But it was, and they live in Canton, Michigan. And if you know anything about Canton, Michigan, that like they're right down the street from Ikea and it was, but it was no traffic going out there. There was no traffic really out there. I think I probably saw about 30 vehicles, the whole drive there and back. Yeah. And it was, it was very eerie and I, and you know, so, you know, that 45 song, like when I wrote that, man, I didn't even know that those were the feelings that I felt. You know what I mean? Like I knew it, but I didn't know that I, I didn't know that I had the courage to say it out loud on a platform like that. You know what I mean? Because sometimes we have conversations amongst our friends, but I know that it's a lot of people that support me that are Trump supporters. And if they, if that means that I was going to lose close, like people I used to work with that I considered friends, then so be it. I already lost people that I considered friends who, you know, talked shit about Colin Kaepernick taking the knee, but then they want to, say that it's okay for people to protest uh, on the on the uh lawn and you know on the steps and yeah. lancing with rifles like that's stupid but you know okay so that, that's my rant <laughs> <laughs> no it's cool from from your perspective um 
given the you know the African American community in Detroit, this has all for long been a predominantly black city. Mm-hmm. With how does how does how do you feel like the the black community in Detroit is handling the the quarantine this pandemic in comparison to what they've already experienced in life, and also given that there's probably a lot of homes that don't necessarily have access to, let's say, the internet or all the news outlets or whatnot. How do you feel like, you know, just black folks in general in Detroit are dealing with this, maybe in comparison to other people? So, to be totally honest from what I've seen, it's, it's, it's split up. It's split up in many ways, you know, because you have you have the older generation that have been through some of the worst times and they're just like, you know, this can't be worse than some of the other things that I've been through. <laughs> right. So they just take it and they're like, okay, I'm going to be as careful as I can, but I'm not going to let it take over my life. I'm going to take the precautions and steps that I need to, to stay safe and healthy. And then you have, you know, like my parents' generation, who are just like super overcautious, you know what I mean? Like scared about everything. Um, like I'll see you in December. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, make sure when you go outside, you like wrap up in aluminum foil and wrap. You got all that hair, wrap your hair up. And I, and I think like I think like with them, um, because my parents are like in their fifties, sixties, you know they um they went through a time where they saw the great depression you know what i mean and so the great depression that's a whole nother thing and so they like the way that they are conditioned in their mind and just like we we don't want to see a bunch of our young people dying for no reason so when i see these young folks out here that's just like still gathering at gas stations and wanting to go to to the parks and barbecue and play basketball. Yeah. It's disheartening, you know, and then it's people like me that's like, I'm on I'm on the middle. I'm trying to do everything that I'm gonna stay in the house. But I people our family. age got to um got to see like through documentaries and news outlets yeah. when we were kids right. about civil rights movements, mm-hmm. about all the other um the other eras before then in a more, you know, in a more focused way, even if we only saw a little bit of what they, you know, what they wanted us to uh, see, we saw that it existed. Nowadays with these newer generations, there's so much information out there and everything's so broken up that, that, you know, black youths might not even know what the civil rights movement looked like or a depression might look like. Or any sort of, um, you know, big thing from the past even looks like or feels like. So they they don't really have a connection to it. People our age, we had sort of a connection to it because there was less media when we were when we were kids, and we saw things about that that we could at least make our own judgment on whether they're showing us everything or not. You know. Yeah, you know, it's it's like I said, it's it's patches of people 
and I know a whole lot of folks and I'm just like, man, like just stay in the house. You know what I mean? Right. But it's, it's some people who are, you know, my age, a little older, you know, some a lot younger. That's just like, we're going to go and do what we want to do. You know what I mean? And then, and then it's sad when you turn around and you see them like, you know what, man, it's, this is serious. Cause my cousin just died from it. Right. And it's like, that's why you, y'all shouldn't be at house parties. You know what I mean? Like, that's why y'all don't need to be, just stay home. You know what I mean? Just, just stay home. And I understand why people, I understand why people felt like they didn't need to, because in the it's almost like, who do we believe? Because in the beginning, right. even, even our own people who run our country were saying that it was a hoax, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they turn around and say, Oh, I knew it was real the whole time. Like, you just said it was a hoax. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, they numbered the flu. So the people who only, who only gravitate to social media and those are the things that they see at first, that's what they're going to hold in their memory. Yeah, and, and, and in black communities, there's always been a, a sense of who do we believe, you know? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. there was always like, um, there was always so much sort of, there was lying, there was... Yeah. Deceivement. Yeah. We get deceived all the time. You know what I mean? Just like yeah, just a history of deceivement, and uh, and when it comes to something like this, you're like, who do we believe? Is this just right. a, uh, is this just the man trying to hold us down or something? You know? So yo, you know. And you know people. You know a lot of people are upset in our community because you know although everybody's struggling with the unemployment market here, like, well, I won't say market, the unemployment um, system here, you know, it's broken for everybody, but we really have it the hardest, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it's folks, it's folks that they still get income from, from other places. And so, you know, when, when they see folks on the, on the steps and last, I'm like, we need to open up the shops and we need to, and two, I hate to say it, but, um, you know, it's not just a black community, but a lot of people are, are caught up in this superficial world where they just feel like they need to be primped and pressed all the time and looking a certain way. And I understand yeah. that you know, people want their hair done and nails done and, and beards trimmed and all of that stuff. And, you know, I bought all these nice clothes and I can't even go outside to wear them. Well, if you did, you ain't going to be able to go outside to wear them. Anyway, so what's the point? Right. You know, I, I had to tell I had to tell a, a, a person online and a comment. They protesting on the lawn and the steps in Lansing because those are people who own businesses. We work for them. They wanted to open up the door so we could go back in the front end and work on the front lines so they can make money and give us pennies. Yeah, but if you if you pass away, they gonna hire somebody else as quick as you gone, and they not gonna pay for your funeral. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's that's what they argue. They mad, and they're upset because you know this is the closest that they probably ever been to being poor. <laughs> you know what I mean, and it's like when you right. look down at somebody for so long for being poor, less less fortunate. And you damn near right there with them. You you gonna do whatever it takes to not be exactly where they are. 
Right. I can't really have sympathy for people protesting about um, going to work when you're holding a uh, AK-47. Yeah, no, I don't feel sympathy for for none of them. You can afford that AK-47, so I'm yeah. I'm sure you got a little money in the bank. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't feel sympathy. I don't feel sympathy for them. I feel like I feel like part of that stuff is all is all planned out, and that's what they, you know, it's like these groups of people that want to go out there and be like, this is it. We need to do this. We need help, and try to put pressure on the governors to open up, and but they're not going out there to work. They're not going to work for us. But then also, if y'all are protesting about it being a hoax, why y'all all suited up with all the all the protective gear? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a hoax. Why you got a mask on? Why you got... <laughs> yeah, you got a mask on. All right. The When it comes to this EP, um, let's talk about the sequencing of the tracks because I feel like after uh, hearing each of them, there's a, you know, a specific story there's something being told by how it's sequenced hmm. you know what I, I i put those tracks in order just you know not really by by feel but yeah it was supposed to tell a story like i said you know i think i learned i think i learned how to do that well i won't say that i learned how to do that by taking photos but i think taking photos allowed me to recognize that I had that ability because I, you know, that's the same thing with all of my other projects. I curated them and, you know, this song, the track listing should be this, this and that. Um, but the flow of it, it just seemed, it just seemed like that's how it was supposed to go. Initially, uh, Dale and, and, and Marv tried to take over and like, yeah, this would be the first song, and that should be like, <laughs> this is how it should be. And I just felt like that the virus was the best introduction because it's, it sets the tone, you know, and not, you know what I mean? Like, no pun intended, but yeah, that was just like the eeriness of it. It was just like, wow, like, what is this? Okay, boom. And then you go into No Mask, and then um, it just, I don't know, it, it all just, the synchronicity I think sonically that's just how my ear worked you know and it sounded like that that's how it was supposed to be that was the best order for it let's extend on that a little bit because you've you've mentioned this many times about the sounds of the uh the beats on this uh, on this record how important was just the sonic element of the virus to this uh project you know in regards to telling your stories it, it, it was extremely important um, with any project that I go into is, you know, the beats play a major part. I don't really write, I don't really write the songs without the beats. You know what I mean? That's why I was like a question of whether I should pair that verse that I had already written with, um, with Respect the Name. And also on the second verse on No Mosque is another, you know, little freestyle verse that I had recorded and put online but um sonically is just that that is extremely important to me because i feel like the beats and the lyrics have to it has to be a perfect marriage you know um and they have to match with my voice i have a very my voice is strong you know so 
can't be having no dainty ass beats unless you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like, um, right. But I just connect with the things that touch my soul. You know, it just really has to touch me, like, and get those lyrics going and get those creative juices going. And previously, it's been times where I found some stuff that initially worked sonically to me. And then it just, I was like, no, you know, once you dive deeper into the project, it's like, okay, this doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. But this, with this EP, I didn't do that. I wrote the six songs that are on there. And that's exactly what it was. I didn't write any additional records, you know, and like take some stuff off because it didn't match any longer. It was just, I picked each beat. And I felt like it was all tailored for this project, you know. Um, it's just all the creator, man. <laughs> I just let it. I just let it flow. I, I trusted my gut. I trusted my ear, and and that's that's how it just came about, you know. Start to finish. How long did this take? Start to finish. It took uh, about two and a half weeks. Yeah. Okay. Writing wise, recording and getting the graphics done. Many times you've uh you've talked about this sort of like spiritual element into that you found in making music and even doing uh photography. You know, kind of uh speak more about that. You know, what's you know what is that to you? You know, where, where do you feel it? Where do you see it? What inspires it? What sort of grows it? Um, I've always been a, a very spiritual person, but just, you know, getting more comfortable with myself and being in tune with that and just allowing myself to feel that and just, you know, express it in everything that I do. Um, I don't, I'm not like one of those people that just shove things in folks face. Like, yeah, I'm spiritual. Look at me, you know, <laughs> no, it's just always been something, you know, and I, I, and honestly, I grew up in a church, you know, my, my mom took me to church all the time. And, you know, I, I've read up on, um, different religions. I've read up on, you know, um, Islam and read the, so reading the Quran and, I would sit and talk to Jehovah's Witness when they would come to my house and, you know, five percenters and this and that. And I, I just found one common one common thing, and it was just God, you know, and they all talked about God in a diff- and, and giving it a different name. And um, so once I had to tap into what God meant to me. Yeah. You know, and it's a lot of places that have these religious titles that don't allow a person like myself to walk, you know, be accepted when you walk into their doors as a lesbian woman or, you know, doing hip hop and you know what I mean? Like, like doing hip hop is if you're a Jehovah's witness, you can't do no hip hop. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like if you, you know, like if you're a Muslim, you can't be in certain places. If you're a five, you know what I mean? So, I just found a spiritual, I found a way that was best for me, you know, and I still pray to God or the creator. And it's like, whomever it is to me, you know what I mean? But it's not a specific um, religion that I follow. And Where do you go to these days to sort of, you know, 
tap into that to that uh to that strength or tap into where yeah, you're following yeah just what what is there anything that you read what do you what do you where do you find it within myself i pray i pray to the heavens and the universe and you know that's good and i ask the universe for guidance and and signs and you know sometimes it's very it, like not even musically but in life in general sometimes it's very scary because I will ask the universe for certain things and then it, it'll come to be. And then I'm like, like, wait, what, you know, <laughs> and, and you psych yourself out to believe that maybe, okay, maybe that wasn't a sign. Maybe I'm tripping, you know, because it's powerful. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like anybody prays to whoever, whomever they believe, you know, but I don't know. I just think that I think that the universe and God lives in each and every one of us. So regardless of if it's Jesus, Jehovah, you know, uh, Yah or whomever, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you just gotta, you just gotta know within yourself that it is a higher power, you know, and that higher power with faith and belief can take you to many places. Let's talk about the visuals for the virus, uh, about the, the the album cover, the you know the the photography behind it, the the fashion behind it. There's a specific look for it, you know. Kind of dive into that. All that was a mistake. <laughs> like seriously, it just happened. <laughs> oh word! Everything about this project just just happened. It was not thought out. It was like I I sent. Um, Mario, aka Rio Data, Mario Butterfield. Yeah. Um, Shout out to graphic, homie, graphics designer extraordinaire. Um, I sent him a few other images, and this is like talking about this right now is going to let you know how unprepared I was for this project. You know what I'm saying? Like how quickly it all happened. You know, again. Everything happened in a two and a half week time span. So I sent him some other images and they just didn't flow. And I was like, wait, I use this picture for something else, you know, and I use this picture a lot for just like promo stuff and it didn't really flow. And so the literally the day that Governor, um, what's her name? Gretchen. Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah, Big Gretch. Big Gretch. <laughs> <laughs> when Governor Big Gretch um, announced the shelter in place, she's like, okay, tonight at midnight, we're going to have a curfew, blah, blah, blah. I reached out to my homie, Lamar Landers. Lamar Landers, he has a great eye. And, you know, he has a, a platform like yourself, and he does the theoretic and, you know, things like that. And, and so we we worked together before. He did some inter he did some interviews with me before. He shot me, and I really liked the vibe and the flow of the pictures. And so I'm sitting there, and I had give given Rio these last images, and I'm like, man, like I need a photo shoot. And then something was like, hit Lamar up, and I was like, I'm gonna hit Lamar up. And so I I I, I called I texted him. I said, hey bro, are you busy? today I need a photo shoot for my cover and he was like okay let me see what I could do then he was like yo meet me downtown at 6 30 blah 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 I was like bet 
We went, shot the photos. I had literally that coat that I have on in there. I had literally purchased that the week before the shoot. And um, my sister's grandmother had passed uh, like the week, you know, a week, and, a week or so before. And I didn't have a, a dress coat. And I, I have a friend who's a fashion, um, he's a stylist, his name is Marv Neal. And last year I had borrowed uh, a, a tan coat like that black one. And I was and you know, I was like, damn, I need a, I need a dress coat. I can't be going to people funerals with like this army fatigue coat on and I'm all <laughs> dressed up. You know what I mean? I like, like literally like dressed up and, and, and funeral clothes. But like my coat is like this, this official authentic army fatigue coat. And like, Looking like, like hip hop in the nineties, man. Exactly. I'm like, Yo man, I need a, I need a coat. I need a real, I need a real coat. And so I ordered, I ordered that coat, but I wasn't even, I wasn't even going to get the black one. I was going to get a tan one because that's what I had borrowed from, right. from my boy, Arm Neil. And, um, and then I was like, okay, no, nah, maybe I won't get a tan one. Cause if I need a tan one, I can just borrow from him, you know? And then I was like, oh, I'm gonna get a blue one. I was like, nah, I ain't get no blue one. You know what I'm saying? And then it was like, a, listen the the universe speaks to me and the universe is like get this black one i was like i'm not gonna get a black coat like eh, you know like i like colors you know what i'm saying right. he's like nope we finna need this you gonna need this black coat like you know and i was like man i said maybe i should wait to get this coat because it's about to be warm outside now i'm and now i'm buying a, a damn wool coat you know it's like get the coat I was like, okay, so I started looking at black coats, and then I ran across that coat. And that's a Ralph Lauren coat, and that coat was like originally six hundred bucks, but it was on sale at Macy's for like a hundred dollars. And I was like, yo, and it was some other like brand that I hadn't seen or heard of before that was like one forty, and I and I saw the Ralph Lauren one. I was like, shit, I'm about to see if they got my size. That coat came, and so when he hit me up and he said, "Let's do, uh, let's do the the shoot," I was like, "Yo!" I was like, "What the fuck am I about to wear?" And then the voice was like, "That black coat, like pull out your hat," and I was like, "I had I had just got those black boots like yeah. two four, and I had the black jeans, and I was like, "This is what I'm about to wear." and had me on that motherfucker looking like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> Where'd you get that hat from? I got the hat from Henry the Hatter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got the hat from Henry the Hatter. And, uh, you know, so the little Cole Han boots and the Levi's. All of that came together so dope. But Rio, when he when he sent me back after he did the, the other edits, and I was like, bro, like, nah. I was like, you on to something. But this is not quite what it is. Because at first, his initial covers, it was more like the virus, the the virus Maniba was like so prominent. It just seemed like I was just featuring behind it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like, yeah, the coronavirus featuring Miss Corona. That's how that's how it, it, it came across. And, and Nico was like, I don't like it. It looked like a, uh, it looked like a cover that was that was for uh that was done by 
pen and pixel. She was like, she was like, it's cool, but it just don't look like. And so I say, nah, this ain't it, bro. So he took that image and then he kind of, he kind of infused it with the same skate as the first first run. I was like, nah. I say it need to look like like this shit is like a pandemic. Like, you know, I say I sent them the track again. I say, revisit the song, listen to the song. And by then I had the hook on there with Maestro and everybody. I say revisit the song and listen to how how creepy and eerie it sounds. And I need the cover to look like that. I need it to translate visually what this song is. And what this EP is about. He was like, gotcha. And then the next day he sent me the cover and I was like, holy shit, you fucking nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking nailed it, bro. Yeah. Excuse me for cussing. I'm sorry. Oh. (laughs) I've been cussing the whole time, but yeah. Yeah. Right. So Lamar Lodges did the the photos and, and... and we were both so excited about how dope the photos came out. He was like, yo, let me know what you're not using so I can start posting some stuff. And I'm like, okay. I was, so I was, I was like, but hold off on posting some stuff, you know. And then I, and I was like, just give me a minute. Let me find out which one he picked. So I found out which one he picked. And then uh, I said, like, yeah, we're not using blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, Lamar started posting them up. And then I was like, oh, shit. It was like everybody was like, these pictures cold. So then I started sharing them and I was like, okay, EP coming soon and, you know, building up. But it was, I only promoted, it, it was less than a week of promo. So I wish I, mm, I think if I could take something back, that's what I wish I had, like a publicist and, you know, right. did a little a little promo run. But I really wouldn't change anything of, of about how the, out, the well, EP was um, constructed or put together and rolled out, you know, because it was all organic and it came yeah. from a, you know, place of a gut feeling. Yeah. It came at a perfect time. Like it would have been hard to do it any earlier or any later. Yeah. Yeah. For like, sure. Like that, 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 this was something that needed to come out at that particular time. So it just sort of like, you got to let the art do the talking in regards exactly. to this. And you can, you can, you can do whatever you want with it right now, but at that time it needed to come out then. Right. And that, you know, and that, that's, that's the feeling that I had. And that's what I kept hearing, you know, people as well as like, you know, the universe is telling me like, this is it. It's your time. This is the time to do it. And I was just like, okay, like we're going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, let's go on and put it out. But it was important to me that the cover art, that the cover art looked, that it matched the out the the EP, you know, and it so visually it matched the same sonic sonic you're gonna hear, yeah. but also is its own separate piece of art. So if I decided to do posters or T-shirts or anything like that, like it will it will be able to, you know, stand the test of time. Like when people go back and revisit this project ten years from now, and if they were like, oh, well, you know, like this this older woman. Um, on, on my Instagram was like, if anybody were to ask me, if any kid were to ask me 20 years from now, 
how it was living through a pandemic, I would play this EP from right. top to bottom. You know what I mean? Because she's like, it describes exactly how we're feeling. And that's that's what I wanted to translate with the, you know, from everything about it, you know, from the cover art to when they pop the, the CD in or hit play on the digital download or whatnot, you know. Um, so right now, just working on getting physical copies and vinyl. Plus, you know, the album artwork doesn't look gimmicky in any way. Right. Yeah. It looks... Yeah, man. It's, and, you know, and two, like, uh, LaShawn, as well as a few other people, were just like, even even the single is, you know, is not getting... Nothing is gimmicky about the about the project. She's like, this song sounds like it could be in a... a, a what's his name? Keenan P- the What's his name? Peel? Oh, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like it sounds like he could be in one of his movies, like Get Out or something. Yeah, and it's like this song, you know, like the 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 even just certain elements, you know, this sound like that it should be on a soundtrack. Even certain certain songs could be picked up and put on some stuff at a later date. You know what I mean? And it's even though it's it's a part of a project that is about what's happening now it can still have a, a shelf life for a couple of years. Now that the album is done and it's out, how do you compare this experience of making this record in comparison to anything that you've done prior? Oh man, it's really honestly no comparison at all because this was really the first time I just let the art guide me. You know, and I didn't get in my own way. I didn't, um, I didn't sabotage anything by like overthinking or like, you know, um, just overthinking. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't overthink any aspect of this project. Just, I just went into it with, it, it was almost like a, like a clean slate. You know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. Like recently I just had an issue with my laptop, you know, and I've had this laptop for five years, but I did a reboot. I did a reboot and it was like fresh, you know, <laughs> so it doesn't remember anything that it experienced before during that whole five year time span. And so that four and a half year break was a reboot and, and it allowed me to approach um, the creative process in a way that it felt like I had never been an artist before. So it was, you know, like writing the, the way, like the workflow of writing was different. Um, Going into the studio and recording the songs, it it felt different. It, it was like riding a bike, but it felt different, you know? Um, But ultimately just not standing in my own way and like overthinking the whole process and not, not letting people dictate what I should and should not say, you know. Now that this record is out, you know, when you dropped it, what was sort of the reactions to people, you know, at their first listens and how did, you know, how did you feel about those reactions? Um, so initially I did, I did a test run like maybe a week before I dropped the full EP. I leaked, the the single and what I did was I, I put a post up and I said any if any DJs want to hear the new single 
send me your email, I'll inbox it to you. You know, and I and I wanted them to give me feedback on it. A few of them did give me feedback, and it was just like mostly everybody that heard it from that first week on when they heard that first single was like, yo, I got goosebumps. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because even when I put the Bandcamp link up for the pre-sales, I made the virus single the first song that they got the, the download for. Yeah. And everybody was saying the same thing, like, yo, I got goosebumps. I got chill bumps listening to this record. Like, wow. You know, and they like the wordplay, the metaphor, the beats, the hook, everything sounds sounds crazy. And I was just like, thank you. And that's what I wanted because now I didn't expect it because I had been away for so long. So I didn't really know what to expect, but I wanted people to react in that way. Like Exactly. And I remember that time too, because and I also thought that the the cover artwork actually made the anticipation to hear the rest of it more uh more exciting you know mm. i felt like that uh that uh, the the artwork was like oh okay this this is gonna be something good like i know like I, i'm gonna listen to it anyways but i'm a little bit more excited because this song that album artwork that we have access to now in the pre-order like looks and sounds good i appreciate that that, <laughs> that, that makes me happy and you know <sighs> I probably shouldn't say this, but then at the same time, I think that this is this is good for me to say because it just shows how it just shows how amazing um, of a studio side of Riot is. Yeah, uh, that was my first time working back with them in about eleven years. Mm -hmm. I was one of the first artists that was under a production deal with Side of Riot, and we parted ways for you know, personal reasons. And um, that was my first time going back. And, you know, we remained friends, but I, we hadn't worked together and I hadn't recorded in their in their studio in quite some time. But it, it took me back to a place of remembering why I trusted working with them at a young age. And, you know, and um, they didn't even have the opportunity to really mix and master the album. So the sound that came about and us putting, you know, getting it to that point and putting out the EP, it's not even mixed and mastered, but it sounds amazing. <laughs> right. Right. It was just, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't, you know, and I'm saying, I probably shouldn't say that because people were like, I'm paying $8 for a CD that ain't mixed and mastered, but you would never tell because no, I, I, there's some people that just work like that, you know, that you're you know, like, you know, they, it, it, it was, it was, and I know that if they had the time to really dive into it, the sound quality would be 10 times better. But also I think that, I think that it's perfect because it might've taken away some of the grit that I wanted to have in there, yeah, yeah. you know, but um, I love how they work in the aspect of it. When you're done recording your vocals, they start putting the mix on your vocals. You know, uh, thankfully all of the producers had already put mixes on their beats Previously, when I did uh, other albums at the time, a lot of producers weren't, you know, doing any any mixing or adding mixing tools to their production at the time, you know. But Silent Rock, I would suggest, and even throughout the years of me not going over there and personally recording in their space, I always refer them 
as one of the top studios to people. And it just proved, you know, to me that I, I picked the right space to record that project in, you know what I mean? So I, I'm really thankful to Dale and Maestro for that, you know. And what was, the, what was sort of the reaction once everything was out? The reaction was, <laughs> the reaction was, wow, like, okay, you really came. I knew you wasn't going to stay retired, you know what I mean? <laughs> and and uh, wow, you really put a project out and, man, this EP crazy and, you know, why is it so sugared? And, you know, I wanted to hear more, but now I got to keep it on repeat. And, you know what I mean? It was so many different reactions and, and 99 percent of the reactions were were good um the one percent of the people who had negative things to say you know that it it, it it to a degree it, it hurt because you know it's like but then i had to think about it like these are people who don't really know me you know but they're the, misinformed it's yeah but the few people who know me who were like chiming in and saying stuff it kind of it kind of hurt a little bit. Like, Ooh, yeah. It always me, does. You know, I'm not that type of person. You know what I mean? But I think also it really, like, it affected me because I had that moment of wonder if people would feel a, a way. You know what I mean? So it was like, damn. But again, like, most of the feedback that I've gotten has been, has been great, you know? And, um, I also know too that with it being so much trauma behind the actual virus itself, that a lot of people haven't taken the time to listen to the project. Um, you know, and a lot of people are deciphering and dissecting things that they're going through personally uh, and, and how to deal with living during a time like this. So they haven't navigate it over there to take a listen to it and then some some people don't know hell i don't know about band camp i ain't got that i don't know i, don't, I ain't good with technology and when you gonna get physical <laughs> cd so i still have people that are like that you know what i mean like so it's yeah it's it's but overall it's good and it feels good it's a it feels good to me um and so that's what i'm gonna live with you know what are your final thoughts about this project? My final thought about the project is that I, I honestly believe that it's the best project that I've created to date. And um, I'm not just saying that because most artists say that whenever <laughs> they release something new. I truly believe that this is the best project that I've released to date. Like sound quality, even without them, you know, having the 20, 30 hours of mixing and mastering or me paying a huge studio to mix and master the project, me not taking 30, 40 hours to write a song or two, you know, and going in and doing 90 takes to make sure the vocal is, is right. When it, it probably still sounds the same after I did the fourth take, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but because I did take 399, I feel like the 401 is the one and they all pretty much sound alike. Um, but it was just going into the whole thing, like trusting my instinct. And like I said, it was a, like a complete reset. And, you know, I did not, I did not think this, I didn't take like weeks or months to think this through. And like, 
you know, it just showed, it showed me, it took me to a place of where I imagine um, hip hop used to be where creatively people just got in there and they just worked off of what they felt in their, in their heart and then not really like following a trend or following, you know, what other people's say would be a good project. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I did a couple voice memos and sent, when I write a verse, I'll send it like to Finale or LaShawn, Nico or somebody and like, listen to this. And, and like, oh my God, that's kind of, I can't wait till you record it. And, and that was, that was pretty much it. But previously in previous years, I would let people come in the studio and listen or listen to the project before and overanalyze everything and overthink everything and, you know, listen to people's criticisms and, or critiques that weren't really even good critiques. It was just <laughs> because they didn't want my shit to be better than theirs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and I didn't do any of that. I just, I just, I just did what I felt was was what needed to be done. And this is the result. And I'm and I'm happy with it 100%. And I will stand on this project and say that this EP is probably the best EP so far of 2020. And if, if it was on a national, if it was on a national playing field, it would be able to compete with a lot of these projects that just came <laughs> out. Period. Period. <laughs> All right. It's been great talking with you. It was great talking with you too. And, and it's so lovely to be able to see you while I'm talking to, cause I, you know, I, I've been knowing you for a long time and, you one of those infectious personalities that I gravitated to since the nineties. <laughs> and and I just I do love you and I appreciate everything that you've done for the hip hop community over the years. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Soul Podcast, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Frosh Frazier, empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash Renaissance Soul. Renaissance Soul theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at I am steveo.bandcamp.com and that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-O.bandcamp.com. Renaissance Soul is available on all streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Renaissance Soul, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh the word. Follow Renaissance Soul on social media on Instagram at Run Soul Podcast and on Twitter at Run Soul Pod. And join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh the Word. And for more information on Renaissance Soul, visit FreshThePodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Renaissance, Renaissance Soul. Soul.